What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. I am your host, Aquania Escarne, and today I'm super excited to have a special guest, Raquel Wilson. My girl Raquel is a graduate student at Duke Divinity School right now, but she's also a serial entrepreneur dedicated to education, and helping people get their finances together. She's an author and we're gonna talk about her latest book and she's also an award-winning educator. So we are here today to talk about her holistic financial wellness program and why this is so important, how she is personally impacting people of color, closing the racial and gender wealth gaps as a part of her mission. Hey, Raquel, what's going on, girl? How you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, thank you for having me. Greetings from Black Wall Street. Yes, I love this. Um, Right before the show, we were talking about Tulsa, Oklahoma, because as y'all know, I'm a hotel owner and I have a hotel in El Reno, Oklahoma. And when I went to visit, I also went to go check out Tulsa, of course, because there's so much history there. So before we get into the vibe that you are setting in your hometown, I want to learn a little bit more about you and what it was like for you when you were growing up. So everyone, this is one of my signature questions. We like to talk about people's money story because everyone has one. So tell me, Raquel, what was your money story? What was it like for you when it came to money when you were growing up? Yes, well, when I think about my upbringing, I think about the quality of um, investing in education. I always say that um, I didn't grow up in the hood, but I grew up around the corner from the hood. And I mean, there were places where I wasn't supposed to cross the train tracks, right? And my parents couldn't afford to invest in stocks or bonds and things of that nature, but they did prioritize investing in my education. And that not only set me up for success later in life and even in entrepreneurship, um, but also understanding that we can only get better if we invest in something that will get us better. So I'm always so grateful to my parents for investing in private schooling um, and having such high quality education for me, even though they couldn't invest in some of the other things that are so popularly talked about as well. So that definitely impacted my money story and why I'm so passionate about empowering people with education, specifically financial education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you are doing it big. You are a certified financial education instructor. So you have some letters behind your name. Let's talk about what that really means. And how did that lead to you becoming a leading financial wellness advocate and one of Tulsa's Emerging 100? Thank you. Well, I'll say that becoming a certified financial education instructor was so much more than letters for me. Um, It was honestly all because of my students, and I attribute all of my success to them. Um, Back when I was a teacher, uh, that's actually what brought me to Tulsa, Teach for America. Uh, I was teaching at a school where we were just founding our high school, and we only had ninth and 10th grade, and I saw in the future that we were going to soon have a graduating class. Um, And I wanted to be the change. I wanted to make sure that they didn't graduate like us. I wanted to make sure that they had personal finance education. So I decided to go from teaching biology to then getting certified as a certified financial education instructor to be able to create the curriculum for them. Um, So even when it comes to my books, those came from the curriculum that I created for my students. So if it weren't for seeing those gaps in the classroom, especially teaching during the pandemic when students couldn't afford masks and parents couldn't afford graduation caps and gowns. Um, I wanted to be the change and create a solution that worked in the classroom. I had no intentions of monetizing it, no intentions of turning it into a book series. But I think that shows the importance of 
good entrepreneurship. The best entrepreneurs are the best problem solvers. Um, it's about really seeing what problems are in the community and being a response to that. So uh, those letters behind my name are just really um, detailing the experience that I had with my students and wanting to support them and their parents and build wealth for our last names. I love that. The best entrepreneurs are problem solvers and you are out here solving problems, building wealth and educating our people. I love it. I love it. I love it. So tell us a little bit more. I, I love the fact that you did Teach for America and you actually are still where you served. That's awesome because some people are like, give me my two years and I'm out. I'm just trying to pay off my student loans or whatever <laughs> other benefits come with that. But it's my yeah. understanding that you paid off your loans actually through investing. So tell me a little bit more about what motivated you to learn how to invest so you can knock out your student loans. Great question. And also, thank you for sharing that context on Teach for America. I'm very grateful to have had that education award and now use it for my master's program. Um, but I'll say that when it comes down to uh, my paying off my student loans journey, it comes back to my money story growing up. I knew that education was important and I knew that I had to go into college and at least um, based off of where I wanted to be in my career then, I knew that it was worth taking out student loans. So actually paying off my student loans first started with understanding what is the value of this education? What is the value of this loan? What type of school am I going to? And how does their alumni network benefit me and where I want to go, right? So I always say, begin with the end in mind. Now, most of us, especially when it comes to student loans, we are already past that space of contemplating, is this a good decision, right? So um, once I had already taken out the student loans and once I was in my job, I realized this whole thing that they painted to be, you know, um, what's the word I want to say? They told me, you know, uh, when you grow up, get a good job and good job with benefits and you'll be fine. And I'm teaching and I'm realizing that I'm not fine. I'm realizing that I'm still paycheck to paycheck. Um, so I realized that something had to give, something had to change. And that's when I started my journey in investing first with day trading and then moving into long-term investing. Um, and honestly, the reason that I decided to start taking those investing, investing profits and putting it towards my student loans was because I wanted to actually grow my net worth. Um, for those that don't know what net worth is, it's a measure to be able to assess your assets and your debts and liabilities, right? Um, but I knew that net worth was a measure of being able to build generational wealth, right? So once I put two and two together, number one, I have a valuable education, but right now this debt is holding me back from actually building more wealth for my last name. I knew something had to give. Um, so I started to educate myself. It actually cost me about 5,000 hours in my first two years of learning how to invest uh, and getting up at 2 a.m. in crazy times to be able to trade and profit um, and doing some trial and error and figuring out what was my investing style? What is better for me? Um, but long story short, I was able to find success. I specifically invested in the crypto um, space and did it long term. So there were no rug pools and shady businesses and things. Um, so over two years, um, the assets that I invested in, in the crypto space were able to grow over 300%. Um, so one super important lesson that I learned from that is to not be greedy. Do not be greedy. When you are investing to reach a goal such as paying off your student loans, it's so very important to know once you reach that goal, exit out, like follow the plan. Um, and so many people are not profitable, number one, because they don't have the education um, in relation to what they're investing in or their overall strategic plan. Um, but also number two, people get greedy. Um, and it's just so important to know what you're going in with, begin with the end in mind. And once you reach that goal, celebrate 
withdraw, <laughs> run the play, right? <laughs> that is so true. And I've actually had Terry Ijeoma on the podcast where she is the queen of trade and travel. She has a multi-million dollar course on Teachable's platform where she teaches people how to trade. And she says the same thing. She says, you have to have um, a, a plan. You have to have a, a strategy on how you, when you're going to enter and you have to have a strategy on when you're going to exit and you have to stick to that strategy. She even said every time she gets too excited and gets greedy, it doesn't work out. She doesn't do that anymore. But of course, when she was learning, she made those same mistakes. So I appreciate that. In the real estate space, we call it an investment thesis. How often do you want to invest? How much do you want to invest? What type of investments do you want? It's sort of like having a plan. And I always tell people, you need to set these plans out before you get started because the plan is supposed to hold you accountable. And if anyone else is involved in this, they're also supposed to hold you accountable. And it always works every single time. Uh, I've even told people writing stuff down or having a plan before it happens when it comes to emergency funds is important in this for the same reason. Um, I give this example where like me and my husband, we have to sort of outline on our for ourselves, what's an emergency for our family, because, you know, every family has different things that are urgent for them. And I always share this story about how, like one time I was at a conference and my water bottle leaked into my book bag and fried my laptop. And at the time I was a freelance writer who had deadlines due on Monday and I was at a conference on Saturday and it was an emergency for me to get a laptop ASAP. But another family would have been like, oh, well, we'll get a laptop Black Friday when it's on sale or save up for the next six months. But I didn't have that luxury. And for me, anything that evolves around me making more money or feeding my family is an emergency to take care of, right? So our emergency fund replaced the laptop within 24 hours, but another family, that wouldn't have been an emergency, right? And so you see how having that strategy in place and having those conversations is what makes it so much easier when ish hits the fan, right? Because now it's like, it's not, what do I do? It's, what does the plan say I do, you know? Um, or even like back in the day when people used to be like, what would Jesus do? And we're like, no, it's already in the Bible. Just read it, you know? <laughs> so. Yes, and that's so important that you brought that up too, because there are so many scriptures in the Bible about money. And whether you're a believer or not, whether you see it as a historic book or a guidebook, mm -hmm. it's just so important to know that... Um, we have to begin with the end in mind. And we also have a responsibility to do good for others and support yes. others. And we can't even give to the poor if we don't have it ourselves. So it's so Thank important you. to plan to create larger good and larger liberative impact. Yes. And be a good steward over our finances. You know, um, I'm all about an abundant, abundant mindset, but I also think we need to be good stewards of what we have. And you'd be surprised. I think when you're able to steward over a few, you are blessed with so much more. And I've seen that time and time and time and time again. Um, and you have to continue to, I believe, believe that God will provide because the minute you start to spiral because you're living paycheck to paycheck or you just lost your job and you don't have that faith, it affects not only your mental mindset, but also your actual money. I genuinely believe it affects your money. And so like one of the things that I've done and I've heard other entrepreneurs do, for example, is like pay our bills, right? Pay our bills on time. Now, I know you're probably thinking, why do you have to tell yourself that? That's like normal fact. Everybody should do that. But I've actually had this happen to me and I've had other entrepreneurs say, 
when they got invoices, they paid them because as soon as they put that energy out there to give to someone who's owed whatever they're paying, right? They received more back in return. And so whenever you can approach even your bills that way, then you find yourself being abundantly receiving. And it's not always money. Sometimes it's people, presence, blessings, opportunities, doors open. But it's that idea that like, don't try to be selfish or hoard what you have, especially when it's due to someone else, right? If you have a bill due, you should pay it. You should pay it on time. That is the professional courtesy of any business and any customer. However, you also have to understand that when you do that, it, it strikes something else to happen too. And I have been a huge advocate of that, even as a full entrepreneur and when sometimes cash flow is low, like cash flow is low, but I'm like, look, I know how to make money. So let me just go ahead and pay my team, this person. And then I kid you not every single time, every single time it comes back to me. I mean, this week alone, um, Virginia, I, I filed my 22 2022 taxes. I always file in October because something always comes up. So I don't like to file early anymore. And I didn't even know that the state of Virginia had passed a law to give back Virginia residents money, 200 if they're single, 400 if they are married. And you know my husband, well, you don't know this, but my husband and I owed Virginia for 2022. So I sent the check in October and they sent me twice back that check a month later. You see what I'm saying? And you're just like, wow. And I didn't even know it was coming. So I, I want to encourage everyone, like whenever you feel, you know, anxiety about your finances, I, I say pray on it, but then also have faith that you do what you're supposed to do and it will come back to you two, three, four times fold. So anyway, I that was a tangent, but listen, sometimes <laughs> it happens that way, <laughs> but and I love I'll that. I love that. Yeah. And I would just summarize by saying when it comes to the money journey, it's about two things. And I talk about this in my first book, Holistic Money Mindset, Mental Preparation for Abundance. Number one, you have to know your values. And number two, you have to be disciplined because it bleeds over into your entrepreneurship and it bleeds over into the other people's lives who you affect. So such wise words. Yes, yes. You know what? And since we're talking, we, we did mention this things in the Bible about money. I actually love this because People do not realize there are certain things that are very clear in the Bible. For example, you should not co-sign. <laughs> I hate to tell people this. They, I get people asking <laughs> me all the time, should I co-sign? My cousin needs this or my friend needs that and they're in a bind. They can't afford it. And you know what the funny thing is? I, in my spirit, I'm like, well, that's clearly in the Bible. You shouldn't co-sign. You shouldn't take on other people's debt. And I have always been very vocal on my platform that my husband and I don't even co-sign each other's debt. We just won't do it. We, we are fortunate that we have the credit that we can do things without the other person as a co-signer. And when it comes to real estate, you can get a loan in one person's name and you can put two people on the deed. So that is the way we still protect the spouse in being able to inherit the property. Um, and then we put it in a trust. But in addition to that, we don't co-sign on car loans. We don't co-sign on um, credit, even credit cards. We are not um, joint account holders on any credit cards. It's just the way that we choose to operate our finances as a family. So we are not getting ourselves into situations we can't get out of. But the other day, a friend told me a really interesting, like she said a really interesting thing. She said, you know, if a bank is asking them to get a co-signer because they don't trust that they're going to pay back the money, why should you? Come on. 
And I'm going to leave that right there. Can, do you know off the top of your head another example of a principle that is in the Bible um, that we should use to govern how we handle our finances? Oh, such a lovely question. I always think about the principle of, or the, the parable of the sower. Um, and that really talks about the principle of having an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. For those who are not preacher's kids like myself or not familiar with the story, um, it really talks about how a rich man gave his servants some money, some gold, um, and one servant decided to bury the money, which is in today's terms, not investing. And there was another servant or some other servants who were able to grow their money, grow the investment um, and actually make it to be profitable for the uh, the rich man or the landlord or the, the landowner, right? Um, so I would say that it's just so important that we consider every single asset that we get, whether it's physical capital, right? The actual money, whether it's social capital, right? How can we grow what God has given us? And that's what true stewardship is. Um, being able to be trusted to hold on to something and actually make it better. Um, and that also relates to our gifts. So um, I really aim to apply that parable of the sower to my personal life, um, to not only my um, fiscal investing, F-I-S-C-A-L, fiscal investing, not physical investing, right? Um, but also to my time. I'm a value-based investor and I do that with my calendar as well, time blocking based off of my values. So that parable really can give us so many things to keep in mind when it comes to abundance, shedding that scarcity mindset because we are not called to live in scarcity, we're called to live in abundance, but also being proactive. Something that I always say in terms of when God does supernatural things, God does the super, but you must do the natural, right? We can't just ask for God's come, yo, pay my bills and let, you know, money fly from the sky and all of these things if we're not aligning ourselves um, internally and we're not making sure that we're doing the work, right? Um, mm -hmm. I always talk about with my books, I created them when I was a teacher, when I was on a teacher salary in one of the lowest paid states in the country. I really had to learn how to steward my money then to be able to leverage it in the way I do for myself and my businesses now. Um, so live in abundance, shed the scarcity mindset, and it's all about growth. Yes, I love that. And so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show today was to talk about your latest book. And I'm so glad I get to highlight in the show notes all of the books you've written. So don't worry, guys. But tell us a little bit more about your latest project, because it's my understanding it was a collaboration and we are all about collaboration over competition. So um, how did that come to be and what is it? What? Tell me more about this book. Yes, the book of the hour is Money Talks. Um, and yes, this is an amazing collaborative effort. Dr. Um, Craig Mason was able to bring together so many of us financial professionals, um, Black men and women, really focusing on how can we empower people to close the racial wealth gap right? Um, my chapter is called, Am I an Investor? And it talks about, you know, how to shed those limiting beliefs, how to free yourself um, from scarcity mindset. And I talk about a story when I got my first refund check in college and what I spent <laughs> that money on and how it could have grown today. And just those silly mistakes that we make because we don't know better, right? Um, I know I had a lot of financial influencers uh, telling me different things growing up, right? And it's so important that we actually, in this book, Money Talks, brought together the right financial influencers to be able to share to people of all ages of life, from folks that are just beginning their education and college um, to folks that are nearing retirement and in those spaces in life. So I just applaud Dr. Craig Mason for bringing us all together and making it such a great collaborative work. And I'm so happy to be able to add value on the chapter of investing, value-based investing, and really living in abundance and being smart with our investments, both fiscal and uh, personal. 
I love that. That's such a good initiative. And so many great people are in there, including one of my colleagues, two of my colleagues, Mark Mullen really? and Marcella Williams. Um, they are the dynamic duo on my team who also does uh, life insurance and helps clients with their investment portfolios. And I was really excited to see that they co-authored a chapter because they are rock stars. Mm -hmm. They're a brother and a sister um, who have decided to help people along their financial journey and actually brought me along too. Cause before I was a life insurance producer, I was a client of Mark. So I love that what they're doing, what you're doing to educate people about finances and really make sure that we can make better decisions. I wish I knew you in college. Maybe you would have given me some of your refund check in the club, but <laughs> I'm glad that you can <laughs> reflect on that experience. <laughs> And oh, teach yes. people, you. you know, other things they can do. I always joke about um, in college is when I got my first credit card. And it was mm -hmm. at a time when the companies used to be able to come on campus and have a clipboard and offer you a T-shirt in exchange for your credit. And nobody realized the value of that. And so I always ask people, do you think I made it rain in the club or do you think I paid my bills that I could afford? Um, and it's always funny to see how the crowd, you know, answers the question when I present or speak. But I was the good one, right? I, I went to college with the mindset of, you know, I'd already started investing in retirement by college. So um, when I was 16 and invested my first paycheck, I went to college with the mindset that I'm not working forever and I'm just here to get this degree. So I was the one who took the thousand dollar credit limit and pretty much kept it under $300 on most days. And except the one time I needed a new laptop, it's funny, I have all these laptops in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I needed a laptop to, you know, write papers in my dorm room instead of in the library late, late at night. And so I did have to use my card beyond the $300 that I was comfortable with to do that. But I spread that out over 12 months and I had 0% interest. So don't judge me, y'all. But, Come on, you know, strategy. there, you know, there, <laughs> there are other people who might have handled life differently. Um, I would love to learn more. So you're, you're not just here to teach people and to, to get the word out about personal finance, but you're also making it more accessible to younger generations. And I, you know, a little birdie told me you're working on an app that is going to launch in 2024. Let's talk about that because I'm curious to know, how did you get into the app space? You know, what was your motivation and what is the app going to do? Oh, yes. Thank you so much for asking. It gets me so excited and so giddy to even talk about it because I know that truly this is my ministry to be able to empower people to build wealth for their last names, um, especially first generation folks like myself or the first generation college graduate or the first generation high earner, the first generation entrepreneur. I identify with all of that. And we didn't have these conversations that were productive about money growing up. Right. So uh, if you identify as that, this app is for you. Um, and it's called the For Our Last Names app. Um, if you're wondering why is it called For Our Last Names, my students always used to ask me while I was investing, well, Miss Wilson, why do you invest? And I say, you know, it's not just for me. It's not just to teach you. It's so we can build wealth for our collective last names, right? Um, so what the For Our Last Names app will do is it will bridge the gap between education and investing. As I mentioned earlier, I spent 5,000 hours just in the first two years of learning how to invest. And my goal is to be able to shorten that time frame, that education gap, that learning curve for people that are new to investing. Um, what's really great about the platform is not only will we teach you in an easy to understand and easy to apply way, um, but we will also also provide aligned investment opportunities within the app 
Um, we also will be able to support you through your mindset because we know that uh, behavior change is hard and financial journeys are hard as well. Um, so we'll be able to support through mindset as well. We really bring together ed tech, fintech, and mindset. And if you're not in the tech space, we bring together learning, the ability to invest, and the ability to do this along your peers, along your loved ones, and those you want to build wealth with. So that's a little bit about the For Our Last Names app and how we empower people to build wealth for our last names. I love it. That's such a good mission. I can't wait till it comes out. So for now, we'll just link to all the ways to connect with you. But before we hop into where we find you on social, I want to ask you our other signature question. The name of the podcast is called The Purpose of Money. So I ask yeah. all my guests this question. What is your purpose for money? I love this question because money is not the source of evil, as so many people say money is a tool. Um, so I would say that my purpose for money is to use it as a tool, um, to use it as a tool to build bridges, to use it as a tool to liberate. There's this move of financial freedom, and I do not agree with that. I believe in financial liberation. If we only use the tool of money to build ourselves a beautiful house, but we forget our brother or sister on the street, um, or we forget our brother and sister that also has goals, right? Then we are living in such restraining versions of financial freedom versus empowering collective liberation, right? Um, so to me, the purpose of money is to use it as a tool to liberate others and to live in stewardship. All right, now y'all heard it here first. Um, before we go, please tell all my listeners, how do they connect with you on social, drop all the handles and the website? Yes. Well, as mentioned, the For Our Last Names app comes out in quarter one of next year. So you can visit us online at forourlastnames.io, F-O-R-O-U-R-L-A-S-T. N-A-M-E-S dot I-O. Um, and as mentioned, I'm Raquel Wilson. You can find me on LinkedIn with that name as well. So I, I appreciate you so much for having me on the podcast today, being able to share value to the listeners. And I just pray that everyone lives in abundance and is building wealth for their last name. Yes. Amen to that. And let's do it, guys. Y'all know what to do. If you like this episode, don't forget to like it, share it. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe so that others will know that this is out there and get all the tea. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to podcasts, don't forget to leave a five-star review. We appreciate you. Until next time, guys, keep building generational wealth.